Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. We thank you so much for choosing to listen to us today, or, or not, you know, whatever, whatever your choice is. Uh, but that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that, uh, obviously, I'm Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as pretty much always, is Walker Howell. And we have a returning guest coming back all the way from season three. Uh, welcome back, Jude Bowers, to the show. Hello. Uh, Jude, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind just reintroducing yourself to those at home, uh, talk about the episode that you were on before that as well, maybe. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jude, Jude Bowers. Um, I, uh, I'm a sophomore here at Freed Hardeman University. I, uh, last season, or season yeah. three or whatever it was, um, I talked about the authority of Scripture, so I'm happy to be back. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. This man is a very, very talented singer, uh, so make sure you go out and check out all of his good music. Uh, very, very good, t- good stuff. Anyway, but yes, uh, thank you for coming back, Jude. We're very glad to have you on the show. And uh, this is a part of season four now. We're all the way in season four now. It's still hard to believe, Walker, but here we are. And uh, season four, we're looking at apologetics. We're looking a at... a lot more to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've signed a lifetime contract, and I, did, I, I should have read it before I signed it. But you know what? Here we are. You didn't read the fine print? I did not read the fine print, no. Darn You lawyers. had a choice. <laughs> anyway... But yes, uh, season four, we're looking at apologetics. We're looking at defending the faith. We're looking at providing a defense for why we believe what we believe. Because uh, it's important for us to know that. You know, there's been a lot of times throughout history where people have been either afraid to ask questions or not allowed to ask questions about their faith. And so it was just kind of the thing that we've done this because we've always done this. And so we're going to keep doing this because we've always done this. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good reason to do anything. Just because someone else has done it before you doesn't mean that it was the right thing to do. Uh, the old the old saying, if, if someone jumped off a cliff, would you do it too, right? Yeah. No. And so the, the well, <laughs> most of us. Some of us would would do it's it with bungee jumps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the point I'll is... I'll have a parachute. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, so I'm going to ignore it and move on. All right. But yes, we're, season four, we're looking at apologetics. We're looking at how to prove our faith. And something that we're going to be talking about today is, as you can tell by the title of the episode, free will and morality. Before we can really jump into anything, we have to start with defining the first term, which is free will. So what is free will? The ability to make a choice, <laughs> in summary. Uh, I mean, we all have, uh, we, we put here, humans have the ability to make their own choices, but I mean, I'm assuming everyone listening to this podcast is a human. Uh, I could be wrong, but, uh, just the ability to make your own choice and, uh, God is not controlling your every move and he never has. I think it's also important to like, kind of establish that like, not only is it the ability to make a choice, but the ability or like. The idea that that choice isn't like predetermined in mm. some way, like yeah. by some neurological, like physical activity going right. on, like it's like actually you making your choice. Right. And you know that that was something that I had struggled with for a while. Actually, was the the balance between God giving us free will, the the ability to make our own choices, and God being all knowing, right? How could how could God be all knowing? How could God know what I'm going to do if He's going to give me a choice? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was something that I didn't understand for a long time. But finally, I had a friend explain it to me. Uh, you know that just because God knows something is going to happen doesn't mean that He forces it to happen, right? 
you know, just because I know that, you know, if, you know, the Lakers play a f- team of students from Freed Hardman in basketball, we're going to lose, right? I know that. That's, that's pretty easy to figure out. That's, it's an NBA team of, you know, super talented, fully grown athletes versus a team of, you know, college kids that may or may not actually know what their left from the right is. Uh, depends on the day. But the point is, just because I know that the Lakers would beat a team of free students in a game of basketball doesn't mean that I forced it to happen, right? There's still going to be a chance. There's still going to be an outcome. There's still going to be people making choices in the midst of the game to determine the outcome. Okay. I Yeah, I see that. I To pay um, kind of devil's advocate for a second, um, for things that like... All right, for the instance of, like, um, when Jesus was talking to Peter uh, in the Gospels, and he said, you will deny me, did he force that to happen? Like, if he knows something is going to happen, and then it doesn't happen because of our free will, it, did he lie? I, I think it's more along the lines of God already knows what choice we're going to make, mm-hmm. right? Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him, because he has the power to look beyond the present amount of time that we can see. Yeah, um, and so Jesus never forced Peter to deny him. If if, G, if Peter hadn't denied Jesus, then I think Jesus would have been would have been pleased with that. Yeah. Right? He he didn't want Peter to deny him, but Peter was given the choice there in the moment when you know the servants came up to him there uh, and said, "You you're a Galilean. I, I saw you with Jesus." And Peter said, "No no 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 no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me." Uh, Jesus didn't force him to do that, but he knew that Peter was going to make that choice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we think about the idea of, of free will, again, it's, it's the idea that God has always given mankind the choice. We can, we can choose to follow him, we can choose to do what's right, or we can choose to disobey him and we can choose to do what's wrong. And he's, he's clearly laid out for us since the very beginning the consequences of both actions. Right? We see that, you know, in the garden, we see this when he's making covenants with Abraham and with Noah and with the people of Israel. He says, if you do this, you will be blessed. But if you break this covenant, if you do something that I tell you not to do, then you're going to be punished because God is both loving and just, right? And that's, that's something to, to keep in mind all the time when you're reading the Bible, but I think it's going to be helpful in this discussion as well. Let's actually take a look at Genesis chapter 3 for a second. They're doing great, Isaiah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are, you're, well, you're, you're here, and I appreciate that. Um, no. We're choosing not to talk. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, making my job easier. No, but for real, I do appreciate both of you. But uh, in Genesis chapter 3, we have what is called the fall of man. And we've talked about this passage a lot on this podcast because there's a lot of application that we can make from it. And there's a lot of things that we can learn both about God and about humans here in this passage. We see that in this, in this, uh, of course, what had happened up to this point in Genesis chapter 1, we see the creation of the world and God creating everything in, uh, in seven days, as we talked about with Ben Cooper. So go ahead and listen to that episode, Who Actually Created the World. Uh, not sure if that one's already out yet or if it's coming out soon, but either way, go listen to it when you can. But the point is that God created the world and he created Adam and Eve, the first people. And God gave them dominion over everything. He gave them authority over all the plants and all the animals and everything that God had created. Because we see that Adam and Eve were created 
in the image of God. Nothing else that God created had that distinction. So Adam and Eve were special. And he said, you can do whatever you want here. You can eat of any tree that you want except this one tree. Don't eat this one tree or you'll die. And we see in, in chapter 3 that the serpent or Satan comes along and starts whispering in Eve's ear a little bit, so to speak, and says, is that, is that really what God said? Did God really say you shall die? That's not what he, that's not what he meant to say. And so he, he tempts Eve, and Eve eats of the fruit of the tree that they were not supposed to eat of, and then gets her husband to eat of it as well. But the point of the matter is that God gave them the free will to make the choice. Right? They had so many other options that they could do, but they chose to believe the lies that Satan told them. They were deceived. Uh, and you know, a question that I've heard raised about this passage is, well, if God is loving, then why did he give them a chance to trip up in the first place? Right? Right? If, if God wants us to be righteous and holy as he is righteous and holy, then why would he give Adam and Eve the chance to sin in the first place? And I think the answer has to go back to the idea of free will. God loves us enough to give us the choice, right? He loves us, and so that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. But he also loves us enough to respect our choice, right? I don't know if you guys have had this experience or not, and I, I personally haven't, but I've seen it happen, right, where there's you know, a, a couple and they're in a relationship, and then all of a sudden they're, they're no longer together. But one person still keeps coming after the other person, you know, you know maybe the, the, the guy broke up with the girl and the girl keeps chasing after the guy and trying to get back with them or, or vice versa, right? The guy's chasing after the girl. Vice versa. <laughs> well, either way, the, the point is, you know, they're, they're not respecting the choice of that other person when they do that because they're, they're trying to, to win them back and, and get the, that relationship back. Uh, God respects our choice enough to send us to where, wherever we choose, mm-hmm. right? If we choose to obey God, he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring you with me into heaven. But if you choose not to obey me, then I have to punish you. I don't want to, but I wouldn't be able to say that I am a good judge. I wouldn't be able to say that I'm righteous if I didn't punish people who broke the law. Right? Uh, we would say the same thing in this country. If a, if a judge just let criminals go off scot-free without any punishment, we wouldn't think that that was a very good judge. We wouldn't think that he was very righteous. The same thing has to apply to God because he is the lawgiver. He's the one that the law came from. And so if he's not going to keep his law, then who can, right? So God is always going to give us the choice to obey him or to disobey him. And he's clearly laid out for us the consequences of that. Uh, Adam and Eve were told, if you eat of this, this tree, you shall die. And they interpreted it as physical death, but I think God was talking more about spiritual death, how sin takes us away from God and and how sin kills us. Uh, There's a passage in the book of James. In James chapter 1, we see that James says, beginning in verse 13, James chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 
Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. All right? James is not saying if you sin once, then God's going to strike you down. You're going to, you know, your family's going to have to put you, uh, your family's going to have to bury you. Right? That's not what James is saying. He's saying when sin is in your life, you are spiritually dying. It's a disease. And the disease is brought forth. There's a, there's a cause for that disease, and that causes our own desires. Right? The world has taught us to desire things that God says we shouldn't want. The world has taught us to love the things that God said we should hate. And so our choice to follow God or to not follow God is often uh, impacted by those desires that the world has taught us we need to have, right? And some of those desires are even for good things that the world has taken out of context, right? Things that God has given to man that world the world has perversed and, and twisted and, and made unholy. Uh, I think a perfect example of this is, is sex, right? God, that God gave man and woman uh, sex in the aspect of marriage. That's where it's supposed to be in. When used properly, it's a gift and it's a blessing. But so many people have, uh, uh, to use an analogy, unwrap the present before Christmas, right? <laughs> and they've... <laughs> thank you, thank you. But, but the point is that they've, they've taken the gift that God said, wait for, and they've unwrapped it and they've taken it and made it worse. Uh, and that's not what God wanted it to happen, but because people have free will, people have the choice, people choose sometimes to do things that God said we shouldn't do. And I'll stop talking now so you guys can stop laughing at my Christmas trees analogy. <laughs> um, I, have a, I do have a question. Um, given the last kind of few points that you've made, um, how do you tackle the idea of predestination? Mm. That's a good point. That's so um, because, you know, if God does know what we're going to do, then theoretically or not even theoretically, like objectively, he knows who's going to be saved and who's not. And so how do you kind of balance that with the idea that we're not like predestined to be Christians? I, th I think that's a good point. Um, you know, when we look at the idea of predestination, in terms of what some denominations teach, uh, the way that I understand it, at least, is that God has selected people to go to heaven no matter what, right? So, you know, just for the three of us in this room, for an example, God may have said, Walker's going to heaven, Isaiah's not, but Jude is. And it doesn't matter, at least the way that I understand that, that teaching, that false teaching, might I add, uh, it doesn't matter what Walker or I or you do, they're all there's that their fate has already been sealed. Yeah. Um, but in terms of you know, God knowing who will be saved, I think I think He does, because again He's He is all knowing and all powerful. But that goes back to the idea of He's not going to force anyone to do anything. Yeah. Right. God loves us and He wants us to love Him back. Uh, and but He's not going to force us to do that. Right. We're not we're not trapped in a, in a Stockholm syndrome kind of situation here. <laughs> Right, yeah. where we're enslaved and we're you know forced to love our captor, that's not what's happening here. God wants us to love Him because we love Him. 
Uh, God wants us to to follow him because we love him. He's not he's not going to force us to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was a, a really good question, dude, and I, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Most definitely. Um, you know, with this idea of free will, you were talking about how, uh, you know, you were talking about brain died it's early in the morning it's all right yeah good point so far uh, guys and i'm glad that we brought up and discussed the idea of predestination because i feel like that's very important um in first corinthians 10 we find a very important reminder and specifically in verse 13 and it's the reminder that god's not going to tempt us beyond what we can control He's not going to, uh, he's not going to give us more than we can handle. And I should, and I didn't mean to say God's not going to tempt us, but He's not going to give us more. Than he's not going to let us be tempted, is what the yeah, verse says. He's not going to let us be tempted. Um, and so, uh, I, uh, so you may be uh, asking the question: Well, if God gives us free will and morality, then why, uh, why does He put the, why are these temptations and these things in front of us and things like that? And ultimately, it's because we have a choice, and we're going to make a bunch of choices in life, and uh, and each of those small little choices uh, result in big things. And so, if we can get the small choices right, whenever we're faced with the big choices, we won't have much of an issue, um, because we've established uh, what our morals are, we've established uh, what we believe, and things like that. And it's and it's funny how free will plays into morality, because you know the more choices you make, the more you build up. Your morals. The more you build up what you believe in, the more you build up what type of decisions you're going to make, and so uh, they both play a role with each other. I say, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I appreciate the connection that you brought up there between free will and morality, uh, because again, the idea of free will that we see in in the world today is that we are free to make our own choices, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we're presenting the idea of free will as proof of the existence of God, but I think even a stronger proof for us today is the existence of morality, right? Again, free will is the idea that you can choose to do right or to do wrong, but how do we know what is right and wrong? Because all of us have different ideas of that, right? You know, when I was just learning how to drive, I thought it was wrong of me to go up to the speed limit, and so I would always drive under the speed limit, right? And Maybe for you guys, that wasn't an issue that you had when you started driving. I didn't care about the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's, that's a difference of opinion mm-hmm. right there. And so if I think this is right and Walker thinks, no, I think the other thing is right, then how do we determine what is actually right and wrong? That's, that's where objectivity comes in. Because um, you have to have an objective standard, especially when you're dealing with not just right and wrong as far as like inconsequential things as driving, but right. like huge decisions in your life that are like you know whether or not things are objectively right or objectively wrong um like you have to have some kind of standard that is external that's not human right because like like you said humans are creatures of choice yeah and and each human chooses as walker alluded to what they think is right and wrong Mm -hmm. um but if if we lived in a society where everyone just did what was right in their own eyes, then it would just be a complete chaos. Because mm-hmm. um, there are some people out there, and obviously this is you know a very, very small minority of people, but there are some people out there who think it's okay to kill people. 
There are some people out there who think it's okay to sexually assault someone. There are people out there who think it's okay to steal. They have a different sense of right and wrong than the majority of people. But because of the idea of we have to have laws, we have to have common mora- uh, morals, uh, things like that are punishable in this country and well-deserving of it. But, you know, the idea is, again, we shouldn't be able to determine for ourselves what is right or wrong because we all have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, you know, common ideas of what is, what is right and wrong, right? You know, if you take a poll of people, like I said, the vast majority of people are going to say, no, you shouldn't kill people. No, you shouldn't cheat in relationships, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, Romans tells us, I mean, morality is more or less like imprinted on a heart in a mm-hmm. sense, um, for the most part, um, because of the nature of how we were designed. Right. Right. That's a good point. Uh, and, and like you said, it's because we were designed. Yeah. Uh, God instilled in us these, these values, these ideas of compassion and love and forgiveness mm-hmm. uh, because they're a big part of his nature. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the, the common ideas of what is right and wrong, you know, what the majority of people would accept as this is the right thing to do and this is not the right thing to do, we have to think, well, where did that come from? Right? Who decided that? Or has that just been another one of those things that's just, that's how it's always been and so that's how it's always going to be. Yeah. Right? Where did, where did right and wrong come from? Yeah. It came from Scripture. It came from Scripture, and Scripture is given to us by inspiration of God. Yeah. Right? Without the Scripture, and specifically without God, we would have no morals. Right? Yeah. I mean, to, to think about it in terms of, you know, the animal kingdom... Right, the a- animals don't have a sense of what's right and wrong, but that's what makes them animals. Yeah. Right. You know, your dog's not gonna come up to you and say, you know, I really didn't appreciate how you treated me today. I thought I think that was pretty wrong of you. Right. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. You know, they don't. They don't have a sense of of right and wrong. They don't understand the things that we understand because again, we are made in God's image. Animals aren't made in God's image. Sadly. Right. But the point is that, you know, when we look at, like, the law of the jungle, so to speak, mm-hmm. right, there is no law of the jungle, it's really. Kill or be killed. You're right, exactly. It's do whatever it takes to survive. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, at least the majority of us don't have that problem, right? Obviously, there's a lot of difficult circumstances for some people uh, in, you know, war zones or things like that in, in other countries, but... And here in this country, we are very, very blessed to not have that issue. And so we definitely shouldn't take that for granted. We should be very, very thankful for that. Um, going off the idea that, you know, object, objective morals come from God, I think that begs the question, um, or at least in this context, does God have free will? It's an interesting question. I think it goes back to what we talked about in Ben Cooper's episode, you know, God is supernatural. He's not defined by time, space, or matter. He's not defined by any human uh, things that we may experience. So I feel like, um, you know, God in a sense, um, I think he has all the will he wants. I mean, he he has the ability to make whatever decision he wants to make. And I'm sure there's, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I, th- I think to add on to Walker's point, 
yes, God can do anything, right? He's mm-hmm. he's yeah. all powerful. But he has to demonstrate self control in that. Well, I th- I think even maybe above but like, that, can he do something? Like it says in James, that God will not tempt him. Exactly. Cannot be tempted. Exactly. So yeah, can God do something wrong? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Because if, if God had the ability to do something wrong, then he wouldn't be God. Right. Like, yeah. It like yeah. goes His against the very too strong that he can't it, like do anything wrong. It's like against the very nature of like who exactly. he is as a being. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what morals are, you know? Like, it, it, if you know something is wrong and it goes against your nature, you're not going to do it. And so the same thing goes with God. Like, it, if he's tempted with something and he doesn't do it, then... I mean, because sin is only sin. Not, it's only sin. You only do the sin because you want to. God yeah. doesn't want to do sin. Right, yeah. And not only does he not want to do sin, but like we pointed out in James, he's not able to be tempted. Yeah. Right? And so I think when we look at the idea of does God have free will, I think yes, but God is not able to do anything that goes against his nature. Mm-hmm. So God is not able to sin. God is not able to lie. We see that in a couple of different passages. Um, I think it's Titus 1-2 and Hebrews 6-18, I believe. I, I would have to fact check those later. But, you know, God cannot sin. God cannot be tempted. God cannot lie. God is loving and righteous and holy. He is those things. He, he's not just displays those characteristics. He is those yeah. things. And that he is where those things come from. And so when we look at the idea of does God have free will, um, yes. It's like, I guess it's a, a restrictive term to put on. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because again, God's not going to do anything that goes against his nature of being holy and just and yeah. loving. So yeah, if you like ask the question, if God is all powerful, then he can he sin? It's like a paradoxical question mm-hmm. because it's like it's not even a part of like who he is as a right. being. Right. Very good point. Uh, but you know, like like we like we've been saying, our morals have to come from God, mm-hmm. right? The, if if it was just left up to people to decide what was right and wrong, everyone would have their own idea. And so the point that we really want to emphasize, the point that we really want to make in today's episode is that when you are faced with a choice to do what the world says or do what God says, do what God says. Because God is the author of all morals. God is the father of all righteousness. God is the creator of all things that are good and just and holy. And he gives us those things freely. So when we're acting when we're going out in the world we need to make sure that we are using god's standards and not man's because man's standards are flawed mm-hmm. they're biased yeah. god's standards are not so then if somebody was like well how do i uh how do i know what god wants me to do what would you tell them Isaiah? god shows it to us in the bible right we can know that god has will a plan for us we can know that what god wants from us, yeah, and so you know, we when we look at the passages, uh, especially the ones in the New Testament, we can see some of the things that God expects from us. Uh, God expects us to serve Him from the heart. God expects us to remain pure in all that we do. God expects us to put away our sinful desires, the things that the world has taught us to want, and to just serve God. God expects us to walk in the light, walk in fellowship with him. And when we do those things, the Bible says that we are doing the will of the Lord. And I think that's one thing that people get misconstrued a lot is like, 
like what is God's will for me? It's like some big mystery and mm-hmm. some huge like the thing that I have to be a detective and find out and yada yada yada. It's like it's pretty straightforward. Like there's a lot of things going on with God that we don't know and we're not supposed to know. Like mm-hmm. Ephesians, I think it's four or five, tells us uh Paul is talking about how like there's just so many things like intricate details of the world and people yeah. are looking for them and we just don't need to know all those things. Like we, God explicitly tells us like what's he want, what he wants us to mm-hmm. do and not, his will for us is not some complicated mystery that we have to right. search for by, you know, divine like revelation. I mean, this is the revelation. Like right. he gives it to us plain and simple. Yeah. And you know, when we, when we think about the, the thought of people wanting to know what God's plan is for them, you know, I, I remember reading a book one time about uh, this this young boy, and he he had a dream that someone came to his school and gave everyone scripts for their life, right? And so they got to go through and read conversations that they would have. They got to go through and read what happened to them, you know. Oh, I got this job. Oh, I I married this person, and then you know they kept going and they they saw how they died mm-hmm. as well, um, and obviously that's that was just a dream. But the point is. People sometimes want that in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to know exactly what's going to happen to them. They want to know exactly what God has in store for them. And that's something that I've struggled with too because, you know, the future is and yeah. can be a scary thing. Yeah. Uh, because it's filled with uncertainty. It's filled with things that we can't control. And so that's something that I've struggled with and can still continue to struggle with is just saying, okay, God, I trust you, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, God, I know that whatever you have in me is better, or whatever you have in store for me is better than anything I can come up with on my own, right? Uh, Jeremiah was talking to the people of his day and age, talking about how they were going to be taken away to Babylon and then be returned to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah, uh, the Lord through Jeremiah, says in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, Uh, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And again, obviously, there in context, Jeremiah is not talking to us as Christians. He's talking to these ancient Israelites who are about to be taken away into slavery. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, you know, they skipped slavery in Egypt and now they had turned back to uh, idols and, and that kind of thing. But the point is, I think God makes the same thing for uh, same promise to us when we look at Romans chapter eight. Uh, when we look at Romans chapter eight and verse uh, twenty-eight, Paul says, "And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose." Right? And Paul's not saying there that oh, you know, if you're a Christian, everything's going to be hunky dory. Right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying that the end result of all the things that God has in store for us, all the things that God knows is going to happen to us, is heaven. All things work out for good. Right, exactly, exactly. And so you know, we, we get concerned, we get worried about the future, and God tells us not to. Uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, sufficient for the day are its own troubles. Worry about today, worry about the things that you can control, and leave the rest to God. And that's something that I've always struggled with is like trying to do more than I can. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not God and it's hard to accept that sometimes. Um, yeah. But we, I mean, we, 
it sounds a little bit blunt, but we kind of need to like just learn our place in the mm-hmm. world because, and honestly, like from an objective standpoint, I don't think I would want to be because he has a lot more going on and that he has to deal with than right. I do. Like right. inf- infinitely more, like not even exaggerating. And so like kind of a blessing that you only have to deal with this. Right. Right. That's, that's a very wise perspective. I think too. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'm not exactly sure how we got off the, on this tangent, but anyway, <laughs> it was it was good, and I appreciate your guys' your guys' comments. But back to the back to the script. <laughs> um, oh, we have the script. Well, well, yeah, what's <laughs> well, that's yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but but the point that we really wanted to conclude conclude this episode with was that when you are faced with a choice to do what God has said or to do what the world says, do what God says. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a passage in the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, where Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And uh, you know, Isaiah is saying there that there's going to come a time where people are going to say the things that God has called evil, they're going to start calling them good. The things that God has called good, they're going to call evil. The things that God has said, you know, the, the things that God has tried to put in the light, people try to hide. And the things that God didn't want us to, to see, people are trying to expose. And I think obviously we have to remember that Isaiah is writing to an, a different audience than Christians here. He's not yeah. writing to us. But I think we can definitely see this happening in our own world today. Amen. Um, people are going to you know, take God's words and twist them to say things that God didn't mean. Uh, and people are going to ignore certain scriptures or, you know, misuse certain scriptures or take certain scriptures out of context just to make the Bible seem evil, make the Bible seem like it's not worth anything. And when they do that, the only other alternative that they can provide is Satan is the world, is the sinful desires that God calls us to ignore and to, uh, to leave behind. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we're not influenced by the people who call evil good and good evil. Because when we do that, yes, we still have the ability to make choices, but our, our choices are not going to be well thought out. Mm-hmm. I think also we need to remember what Peter and the apostles said when they were on trial in Acts chapter 5. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders had, had arrested them and, and brought them in and said, why are you still doing this? Why are you still preaching about Jesus? Didn't we tell you to shut up already? Hmm. Um, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than men. Hmm. Right? We don't care what you say. We don't care what you're telling us because we know what we're doing is right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to happen for us as Christians as well. Uh, we're going to, if if we're out living our faith and and showing our faith to those around us, this is going to happen to us as well. People are going to tell us to stop. People are going to tell us to 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 drop the whole Christianity thing. Um, but we have to obey God rather than men, because ultimately, <clears throat> God is our judge, like we've been talking about. Jesus said. In John chapter 12, uh, John chapter 12 and verse 48, he says, 
The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I, will, that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So Jesus says, if you reject me, if you reject being my follower, if you reject loving me, that's your choice. But just know that you have a judge waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the things that Jesus has said. It's going to be the, the words that God has given to us in his book. And so we here at the, uh, the, the Through the Eyes of Jesus team, all of our guests, all of our friends who help make this possible, we want you to know that God loves you. Mm. And that God loves you enough to give you a choice. You can either choose to love him back and reap the countless eternal and physical rewards of that, the blessings that come with that. Or if you choose, you can choose to turn your back on God and to walk away from his loving care straight into Satan's hands. And those are not very good hands. Good hands. <laughs> he, he's not all state. Not all state. <laughs> <laughs> but, he causes mayhem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the point is, God has given us the choice. The three of us in this room, we have made the choice to serve God. We're not perfect by any means. We all have things that we struggle with. No, goodness, no. No, 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 no. I know you're joking, but no, no. I am far from perfect. Um, We all have things that we struggle with is the point. And God knows that. God knows that we're not going to be perfect. He calls us to live a life like him because he knows that we are not going to be able to be fully perfect. We're going to trip up. We're going to sin. But the point of the matter is that God loved you enough to sacrifice his son on the cross, the most painful and agonizing form of death mankind has ever created. He did that so that you could have the choice to serve him or to leave him. Again, the choice is yours, but there are consequences for that choice. And we don't want to pretend like we know everything. We don't want to pretend like we're perfect because we're not and we don't. We don't know everything. But we do know this. That the scripture is very clear about God's love for us. And the scripture is very clear that God loves us enough to not only give us the choice to be able to choose to do right or to do wrong, but he has told us what is right and wrong. He's given us the the instructions, the guidebook, the, the rules so that we can understand what is right and wrong. We have Jesus' word so that we'll know what our judge will be. If we've lived according to his words, if we're faithful to his words, then he's promised us a home in heaven, a land where there are no tears or pain or sorrow or crying. But if we reject Jesus and his word, then Jesus has said that his word will judge us and we'll be sent to hell. And you know why there's no tears or pain or sorrow in heaven? It's because it's all in hell. <laughs> Point. So we just want you to know that Jesus loves you and we love you. And if there's anything that we can do for you, please let us know. There's, there's lots of different ways that you can reach out to us. We have an Instagram and a Twitter under the handle TTEOJ underscore podcast. 
We have a Facebook page, Through the Eyes of Jesus Podcast. Uh, we have an email, which was probably the best way to get in contact with us, info at tteoj.com. We would love to sit down and, and talk with you at any point about anything we've said today or anything we said in another episode or any question you have about the scriptures at all. Again, we love you. God loves you. And if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. And if there's nothing else that needs to be said from us, I'm going to ask Walker to close the episode off in prayer. All right. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, the ability to open up your word and to see what it has to say regarding free will and morality. Father, you give us a choice each and every day, and you uh, allow us to uh, make our own decisions, and we're thankful for that. Uh, you, and what's, it's what makes us human beings, and so we're glad that we have that ability to choose, but we hope that we make the right decisions in our choices. We pray that ultimately we choose to follow you each and every step of the way, and we choose to follow your word, uh, because that's the most important guidebook in our life, and it will help us to uh, have the strongest morals possible if we choose to follow it correctly. Be with us, Father, and strengthen us in ways that only you know how. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who made all of this possible. Without him, none of this would be uh, even being talked about today. We thank you uh, once again, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.